0: You think you know what we're going to talk about?
1: But unfortunately, I fell down a damn rabbit hole and I've not gotten out yet.
2: <laughs> Knife bros.
0: I literally googled Sebastian Stan hands, but just when you least expect it, we changed the game.
2: Well, yeah, because like usually in astrology, they would partner up air signs with fire signs. All right, you can you can huggle time travel stories and
0: at the end of the day only one thing matters we decide
1: well we should make it a topic (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately i didn't take german in school i barely took i took spanish and i don't remember any of it
2: three fates decide podcast hi everyone welcome to another episode of three fates decide um i'm liz and i'm here again with my co-hosts mary and sam say hi guys Hello. Hey. hey. Wow. Okay, another episode. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Oh, gosh. How many episodes is this now? Ten. This ten? Gosh. Ten. I can't believe we're at ten at this point. I mean, it's it, it's amazing we've gotten this far. <laughs>
0: I'm telling you. It, it's it's nuts.
2: I know. I mean, they're just some podcast, like They're lucky they make it past five i mean especially if you're a solo one because sometimes it's hard to keep motivated
0: no absolutely and thank you to any everyone who has stayed with us for the 10 episodes so that's awesome you guys are awesome it's
2: amazing we at some point we should do like if, if we keep like you know going we should start doing like anniversary episodes or something
1: I'll <laughs> be fine. Hey, if we, if we can make it to like what episode fifty, we should do we should do like a a big one for episode fifty.
2: That'll be mm-hmm. great. That'll I'll be just, great.
0: We'll have to come up with some ideas.
1: Oh yeah, we'll come up with some something crazy that day for that that episode.
2: Yeah. Anyway, okay. So tonight's topic is uh, something like. Somewhat related to uh what we talk about what we talked about in past episodes, which is like Hollywood movies, things like that, but this is in a slightly different angle. this time we're talking about Hollywood and china um so just as a little bit of background so the re- so I actually suggested this topic, and part of the reason why I suggested this was actually because um as we've already established like, we're we're all into uh movies and hollywood and entertainment and stuff so i actually signed up to a bunch of newsletters from the major hollywood entertainment publications which would be variety uh, the hollywood reporter and deadline so i had noticed within the last you know couple of months actually even more than that There had been a bunch of different articles where China came up as a subject in one way or another. So that kind of inspired me to bring this up as a potential topic for an episode, which we are doing right now. Um, and I think it doesn't get talked about enough because it is a very significant impact on the entertainment we watch, um... The relationship between hollywood and china so more. well i guess
1: one of the things that i was actually reading and i'm still kind of reading up trying to uh, catch up on on all the stuff that you have um posted for for us to kind of like do our research on and kind of just like really kind of get back up into the topic of is how china's having um their it's got all these oscar nominations for movies that are either from china or from chinese um directors but their government is like stopping their nominations because it doesn't agree because the not the movie may not agree with the what the chinese government is is also putting out or i guess is my thing it's it's kind of like a little strange in that in that regards for me.
0: So, uh, article that I'm reading from Variety. Um, I guess you know they were talking about how Zhao um, Chloe Zhao, um, I guess, gave a quote to a magazine for the U S. and it like they they felt that it slandered China and the way I feel like they're trying to make it sound is like it slandered the people of china and not the government but i feel like this is more (laughs) the the chinese government who's like oh how dare you because i think what she said was like that it's basically like what an honor it is like this is what the chinese filmmakers want is to get into the u.s oscars and that seemed like oh my god how dare you right you know, and, and I just think that's funny because, like, I think no matter what country it is, everyone, like, the goal is always Hollywood, you know, U.S., um Oscars, stuff like that. Like, that I feel like is the goal for every single country is to get to the Oscars, which is obviously U.S. based. And for China to kind of take this as like a slander toward China, I think is kind of interesting to me right uh, that, that they would take like that they would get so upset about it
2: right it, right what,
1: what gets me on this on on that uh quote that she gave to that magazine it was over a decade ago yeah and they're still saying that that it was a that it was a slander to the chinese who because it said offended offended chinese nationalists who felt it slandered china so the movie that is that got the Oscar nomination was Better Days, and it was a hit in China, which is, which is what gets me. But they're still saying they don't want to do, any, they don't want to have anything to do with the Oscars, or they're not going to even show the Oscars, because if it wins, because of her and the director, right? That just boggles my mind.
2: I just want to emphasize to the audience that my. Ah, uh, quote unquote, expert uh, knowledge of these things is purely because I happen to be a Chinese American. Like my parents came here from Hong Kong and I was born here. So to that extent, I do have some, you know, cultural understanding of these things, but obviously, I'm not going to have the experience quite like somebody who was actually born there. But, you know, I have enough knowledge to try to clarify these things. So, to your point to your general points earlier about how it's bizarre to you guys why Chloe Zhao would get so much criticism in China especially about her comments from like 10 years ago so uh, i guess I, could, I guess we could call this segment the uh, <laughs> chinese culture One, culture 101 <laughs> section so um now this is not just a chinese thing but this is also very common in like a lot of old world cultures in general especially in asia like um but basically you have the concept of presenting a good face to the public which is like the literal tr- uh, translation of this uh term but basically you want to present to the world A good impression, a good image of yourself. But sometimes it gets to an extreme point where any kind of criticism is seen as like almost an insult to your identity, almost, which is why, um, especially if you're like talking about like very old school, you know, very conservative people, they do not. Like the idea of being publicly criticized because it's almost like a shame, you know, a shame on you that, you know, you are not presenting yourself very well and people are pointing this out about you. And it's like almost public humiliation type of thing. So when we're talking about like the Chinese Communist Party, you know, which is the political party that runs China. They can sometimes take this to a very extreme level where any kind of criticism of their government, they really don't like it. Like, they seriously don't like it. And it can extend to the point where if you criticize things about the society, regardless of whether you're an outsider or you are a Chinese national, you know, a Chinese citizen you can get into a lot of trouble for it because like i was just saying before it's part of the whole image of the society you want to present yourself as being this amazing great thing and yet somebody coming along here is saying this negative stuff about you you know you you you're not going to s- just sit there and take it you know you're going to start fighting back on it And of course, because you're talking about a government here, one of the easiest things to do to retaliate is by saying, well, okay, you're a director and you're criticizing our society. Therefore, the best way to punish you, if you will, instead of like doing something drastic like throwing you in jail, which is like using a sledgehammer on the problem, you do it more subtly by saying we are not going to allow some of your movies to be screened on the millions of movie screens across the country or you are not allowed to have your next movie compete at the Shanghai Film Festival you know things like that and right. that's what right which is why um, after the Oscars there were um, articles that came out um, how a lot of the news media in China did not report on the fact that Chloe won Best Director, which would make her the first Chinese director to ever win an Oscar. And which is like the complete opposite of what happened in South Korea when, you know, Bong Joon Ho won the previous year, where like, you know, every major news network, you know, in South Korea was like, you know, talking about him winning because he's the first Korean director to win. So it's a fascinating contrast when you look at it that way another another big thing that came up recently as well which um i don't remember i think i may have shared the article with you guys when it came out but um just a few weeks ago when you know the re- the newest fast and the furious movie came out um there was a there was also a lot of controversy in china they didn't boycott the movie but they did You know, talk very negatively online in the uh, Chinese, um, in uh, in a lot of the Chinese uh, social network uh, accounts about John Cena, who was in it. Because he made the terrible, terrible, scandalous error of referring to Taiwan as a country. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Oh, that is another, another hot-button topic in China you do not want to bring up. Never suggest the, the idea that Taiwan is a country. It's a scandalous idea.
1: <laughs> Seems like it. I like, it's almost like you don't want to say anything about anything when it comes to China and their territories and their... Oh, yeah.
2: Any of that. Now, normally we don't want to dive into politics, and we generally won't do that. But, you know, for this particular episode, in order to really fully get a better context and understanding of stuff, we do have to kind of mention a little bit about politics and geopolitics with China, because, I mean, they go kind of hand in hand. So, right but you know we'll 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 try to keep it to a minimum here. It we'll just stick with understanding enough to get the context of everything. So, yeah. So, I think that another reason why we we do want to bring talk about this is because um China has a very huge influence on Hollywood whether uh the average American person actually realizes this or not. But um it's very, you know, it it's You know, why do they have this influence? Well, it's the age old reason that we talked about in the previous episodes about, you know, the entertainment industry and Hollywood. It's all about the money, 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 because and when you think about it, it actually makes a lot of sense because, you know, China, the population of China is like over a billion people, which would make it one of the biggest movie markets in the world when you think about it. And if you are one of those people who are like Uber into, you know, the business aspect of Hollywood, you would know that, you know, in, in recent decades, a lot of the box office profits that Hollywood gets, like roughly half of the money comes from foreign movie markets, not domestic. So as important as it is for movies to get a lot of money, you know, in the box office here, which the news sometimes reports on, you know, on the weekends, like on Sunday night. But it's very important for Hollywood to make a lot of money internationally, especially if the movie didn't do that well domestically. And one of the very clear signs of this is actually in recent years, I'm sure some of you may or may not, I'm sure a lot of you may have noticed this, but there's been an increase of these action movies that don't have complex plots to them, you know? Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I I do know that.
2: Yeah. And the big reason why that is, is because when you are sending these movies out to foreign markets, especially to foreign markets where... English may not be a very prominently understood language for peop- for the local people. <laughs> the easiest thing for people to understand is car chases and things exploding. Mm. <laughs> you yeah, know? that, that
0: well, and it and it's you know, I I kind of I'm looking through like the list of um things that have been banned, and then ones where they're just like edited. And it's funny, a lot of the films that have just been, like, edited in order to be shown are action movies and things like that, where they can just cut out the stuff that they don't want the people to see and have still all the explosions and the, you know, chases and all that stuff. So, it's... Right. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, We because um, I was talking with, with uh, Liz about this yesterday. When we were looking over the um, different movies that were banned and things like that. And I I had noticed that, too. A lot of the uh, ones that were just heavily edited were just ones that were straight-up action flicks. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They'll let them through, but they're going to cut out the parts that they don't like.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. So, The in like the general increase of like action movies, especially ones like I was saying where the where they don't have like a super complex plot to them, that is a big reason why we've been seeing a lot more of them in recent years. It's because it's easier to market movies like that to foreign you know countries where, like I said, uh, a large part of the population may not be familiar with English, really. So it just makes it a lot easier for them to translate, you know, what the actors are saying, you know, in the subtitles and whatever. Right. Yeah. Which, of course, explains why there are nine Fast and the Furious movies. (laughs) And you would have thought, like, one, possibly two would have been enough. But no, no, we gotta gotta make more of them, because, you know, we can make a lot of money off of it.
1: Uh, well, I, I mean, granted, I can see it because I kind of like the mindless action sometimes. Just something I, I like to put on an action movie where I don't have to think about it. I just know, ooh, gonna, ooh, explosions, ooh, pretty explosions, you yeah. know? Yeah. Or yeah. ooh, pretty cars. Oh, that's a pretty car. <laughs> that, that that's that's. The extent of the thinking I want to do when I watch those type of movies.
2: Right.
0: No, like it it definitely makes sense because even like for someone like me, like, you know, where I don't speak a second language or anything like that. So like when I do watch foreign movies and you have the subtitles, like it can get distracting to the point that you miss certain plot points, especially if it's Mm -hmm. a heavily dialogued film. So it, it does make sense to have you know, these types of movies because you can watch with less dialogue and still get the basic plot. And, you know, it's just, I think, easier to control. I don't want to say control. Control's not a good word. But as you said, like, just to translate so that no matter what country it it is, they're going to understand the story without having to constantly read, you know, uh, captions. because it's a different language so it does it does actually make a lot of sense
2: right right which you know which is fine in general I mean like I don't blame you know Hollywood for wanting to make money I mean that's one of the most fundamental things of any any for-profit company industry what have you is right you want to be able to produce stuff that will definitely make you money um but you know I, I just I just wanted to point out that observation just in case like you know anybody in the audience was you know didn't notice it, but yeah, yeah, that is a big part of it, and um anybody who like really follows you know the the entertainment industry, like the business side, you know, this is not a secret. it's like it's pretty well known <laughs> that's that's a major motivation. so the other thing is that because of the fact that you know. You're getting so much money from foreign markets, and you become aware of what type of movies do extremely well over there. The other thing is that it starts to influence not just what you're producing to, you know, produce for the international market, but it's also influencing the content in general. Because now, if you're aware of say certain countries approve or don't approve of certain content in your movies, you're going to have to start thinking about what are you going to allow in your own movies. And the thing is, like I said earlier, is that roughly half of the money that studios are earning from the box office is international. But the other half is here in the U.S. So now it's also influencing what kind of content we are seeing as well, because we're because we're all watching basically the same movies here. Which I think as a part of the U.S. movie going audience, we should be aware of this and we should also be slightly concerned because now it's potentially limiting what type of content we are seeing as well, Mm -hmm. you know, which, which, which is how, you know, it kind of links up to what, to our previous, you know, to our past episodes about, you know, creativity and, you know, the kind of stuff we're watching is not as creative, at least in the movies compared to television, you know?
0: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it stinks. (laughs) I know we've you know, we've already talked about it that you know, I personally with like a little bit more creativity but I, I can understand that point also. Like you said, there are, at the end of the day it's to make money. So the easiest way that they're gonna do that is to have very they they basically found a formula that works. In order for that to be successful, they're gonna keep doing it. Which is the high action you know the things that already have uh um a following and things like that so it makes sense as much as it stinks but you know hopefully they'll come up with another way because I would like to see something different
2: yeah yeah I mean I know I definitely do uh, I don't know about you Mary but
0: yeah yeah
1: definitely
2: yeah um so So another thing um, I've noticed as well is that um, you've also gradually seen over the years, there is some interest in uh, funding from China in terms of budgets and co-productions, actually. Like a pretty good example is um, The Great Wall, which I have not actually watched the entire thing. I've only seen bits of it because to be honest that kind of a movie is not really my kind of thing but um I've heard a lot of mixed reviews about it like I mean the plot does sound kind of silly to be honest with you but you know if, if you just want like some kind of sci-fi-ish uh monster movie type of thing then go for it <laughs> but um it's it's it's, a, it, it's basically a Chinese-produced, Chinese-filmed Chinese movie where the director is one of the most famous directors of China, um, who is uh, Zhang Yimou. Um, for those of you who may not be familiar with him, um, if any of you had seen the 2008 Beijing uh, Summer Olympics... He was the one who directed the opening ceremony. Um, yeah. Um, also, he is the director of House of Flying Daggers, which is a movie that got released here in the U.S. back in 2002. Uh, for like a couple of years after, you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was released, there was a, there was a slight spike of interest in Chinese language movies because that movie was amazingly directed and visually beautiful and the story was very good as well it's a very it was a very intricate plot i mean of course it 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 it, uh crouching tiger hidden dragon is a movie that's also a adaptation of a novel so that could partially explain why the plot was pretty good Um,
1: but it i remember i remember watching it when it came out or like a year or so after it came out i think it was a good movie I
0: remember yeah, that it one. was a very
2: good movie right. So because of how well that movie did there there was like for a couple of years like a like a short spike of interest in Chinese language movies, particularly ones from mainland China, because of course, you know Crouching Tiger is in Mandarin, which is what they primarily speak in uh the mainland uh which is like very different from, you know, back in like the 80s and 90s when the Hong Kong action movies were really popular. Because those movies were primarily spoken in Cantonese, which is a very different dialect of Chinese. But, and, and also the subject matter was a bit different. But, um, but yeah, so one of the movies that was released in this short term spike of interest was uh, House of Flying Daggers. Um, that one is, was, I mean, actually, that one was a very good movie as well. I mean, it may not be as good as Crouching Tiger, but it I thought it was a very good movie. I mean, at the very least, if you were to watch it, the visuals alone are amazing. But, um, you know, I'll let you guys, like, whenever you have the time to go check it out for yourselves. But anyway, back to, back to my earlier uh, point. So... The interesting thing about Great Wall, for anybody who hasn't seen it, is that most of the cast are, of course, Chinese actors. But the interesting thing is they did actually cast um, a couple of uh, Hollywood actors you guys may have heard of, one of whom is Matt Damon. Hmm. Yeah, yeah I have heard, heard of him. Yeah, yeah, you may have heard of that guy. He's done a few yeah, a little bit
1: just to
2: slide them out, not not uh oh, not much, yeah uh, and um, the other funny thing was they also had um Pedro Pascal in it as well, Perfect. yeah,, yeah, yeah, I mean it I thought it was kind of funny, like they they actually had a couple of Hollywood actors, but you know, there you go, and um they also had uh Mr. Willem Dafoe in it. I almost forgot he was in it, too. <laughs> like him. He's a good yeah. actor. Yeah, he's a very good actor. I mean, I don't know what they promised, the three of them, to, like, be in this movie, but, you know, they must have promised them something or other. Because, I mean, uh, it, it's, you know, it's not the most, com- you know, it's not the most, like, complex, thought-provoking plot or anything. I mean, they, like like, the rough plot line is basically you have these three foreigners mercenaries show up in China um they get arrested and then they somehow get pulled into a situation at the great wall where they find out that um you know for for people who who don't know the rough history basically the great wall is like a giant wall that is supposed to protect China from foreign invaders from coming in. So in this movie it turns out that yes the great wall is designed to protect the country from invaders but it's not you know Mongolian hordes or any such thing. No according to this movie it is uh these alien monsters creature things that attack every so often and the guards at the great wall are supposed to kill them before they can get somehow get up past the wall and start killing everybody in the rest of china and yeah that that that's that's the rough plot line that's that's all you really need to know
0: well then <laughs>
2: <laughs> like you were saying you know if if you feel like you know a relatively mindless you know not overly complex plot action movie sci-fi action movie then you know there you go
1: that that might, okay. that might be that might make the list of when I need
0: something mindless to watch and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> when you're like cleaning and you need something on in the background. Yeah. yeah.
1: Sometimes that's that's what a lot of those movies end up being for me. I just like I'll put them on and I'll do something else completely different and it's just background noise.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I look over every once in a while. Oh, pretty car on the TV. Oh, there's an explosion. Okay.
2: Yeah, there's there's like monsters dying, screaming. You know, people jumping off walls.
1: Typical. Oh, so so basically, your typical um, sci-fi action horror movie. Yeah, yeah, pretty okay. much.
2: Yeah, the so... only difference is yeah, I mean, the only difference is that it's in Chinese. Uh, some of the dialogue. That's 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 the only other thing, you know. And the monsters look a bit different than what you may be used to, but otherwise, you know. It is what it is. but, um yeah, I mean, I, I thought that was actually kind of fascinatingly, like how that was an example of, you know, a collaboration of sorts between Hollywood and the Chinese film industry to create, like, I guess, a you know, like some type of a partnership, even if it's just for one or two projects, really. Because again, it's all about getting the proverbial foothold into a huge movie market, just like how India is another huge movie market. I mean, they have over a billion people too. Right. Right. But the thing is, is that the reason why uh, Hollywood is trying so hard with China is because China is very restrictive of how many foreign movies are allowed in... Uh, chinese movie theaters because of course they are a communist uh society where they control everything right so you know including uh controlling what type of content the people are allowed to watch because of course you wouldn't want to corrupt them with unpatriotic thoughts and and whatnot
0: and yet captain america got through
2: yeah, but I think... But part of it was they renamed the title, so it's not... I think they renamed it just as the first Avenger or something like that. like yeah, it, I mean, they it, allowed it.
0: Like, with all the articles that I've read, and then obviously, like, this conversation, it really just makes me happy to, you know, live where I live. That, like, you know, the censorship isn't as... You know, you have people that try to censor, but for the most part, uh, with the U.S., like, you can, you know... Everything's fair game. <laughs> right. You know, let let the people decide for themselves. But it's, you know, you have these countries that, you know, their governments control everything. Right. It's, you know, it's sad. Yeah. It really is. Right.
1: It is. because I mean, not to get too political with it, but I mean, they took right. off um, certain emojis right before the anniversary of Tiananmen Square. So they took off, like, the cake emoji with candles so people couldn't, like, quote, unquote, I guess, pro like, um, celebrate or remember Tiananmen Square as the horrific tragedy that it was.
2: Right. Because, of course, that that never happened. It, it doesn't exist.
1: Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's like reading that. I mean, I knew... Granted, before we started, before we started talking about this topic and wanting to do the, uh, do this topic, it was like, I knew some things, like I knew it was a more oppressive uh, government. And I mean, I mean, obviously, but you didn't really, you don't really think I didn't really think about it. And I guess I didn't really, really realize exactly how oppressive it was until I started researching it.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, that, like I said, I don't want to get too political with it, but just, that is just, it it just boggles my mind that that they would do, that they're so afraid of their image that they would, that they would do something like that.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, again, like I don't want to get overly political, but, you know, at the same time, we kind of have to talk about it to a certain degree because, we have because it's part of understanding the context of why mm-hmm. they do the things they do in relation to Hollywood. Okay. So the thing is is that with this whole, I guess, if we wanna if, you know, like as as we would call it like repression of like ideas and things like that, the thing is is that I talked about earlier, of course, like the very old concept of not wanting to have a poor appearance right right so there's another concept that's also a very old concept I mean, this this is like i'm talking about a concept that's existed since you know imperial ancient china times but there is a concept of the quote-unquote harmonious society which is something that the communist party really wants to maintain because in order to have a harmonious society, which is like you know a peaceful, constructive, you know, fun, you know, well functioning society, you want to have everybody be satisfied with how things are. Therefore, mentioning anything in which you know, which you point, if you're pointing out problems, oh. Now you're now you're bringing attention to very disruptive, you know, chaotic, negative things that's going to cause people to get upset, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. So now it just reemphasizes how you need to control this negativity before it gets out of control and now everybody is angry and nobody is satisfied and you know, revolutions start happening, which for people who, you know, may not be familiar with, you know, some of the history of, you know, China, many times dynasties have fallen because people got fed up. They got fed up with this dynasty and they're like, you people have you know messed up everything and we don't trust you anymore and you start having peasant rebellions happening and then the next thing you know you have a new dynasty start up because they are going to try to fix everything that the last guy failed to do mm-hmm. and of course any political power any political leader they do not want a revolution where they where where people get rid of you right so. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So that just kind of adds to that. So, that is why, you know, one of the many rules of, you know, what is allowed and not allowed in terms of foreign films is they want to, they have like criteria of like what type of things are approved or not approved of in it's terms all about of control. You, yeah. It's all about control. They want to control what kind of ideas are being disseminated. Okay. Which, um, I don't know if you got a chance to look at it, uh, Sam, but like I shared, uh, I mean, granted it's Wikipedia, but it does a pretty good summary. Like, you know, they they pulled a lot of different sources here, but, you know, they, they kind of summarize like some of the basic, you know, I don't know if you want to call it rules or criteria, but... There like certain things that you know are allowed are not allowed in terms of content. So it's either they will just outright ban it if you refuse to uh, change anything, or you can't change it, or they're gonna force you to edit stuff. Which again brings up you know the earlier point I was talking about before, which is that it's starting to cause Hollywood to maybe second guess a little bit on what type of content they are going to have in some of their movies, especially the movies that they really want to have shown in China.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 No, Um. It, it's funny. Cause like, that's where I saw like the list. It's amazing how many movies that were made in China were banned, obviously like a lot of American movies.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then, Hong Kong uh, has, has a couple, but it's it's there's a lot of Chinese movies that were banned completely. And then, like, you know, it, it's, and obviously the reasons for it, it's, you know, some of them, like, you know, it, it, it makes, it kind of makes me laugh, because, like, you know, one of the first ones is Ben-Hur. Uh, or and the Ten Commandments and obviously they consider it a superstitious film right because it's a religion that they don't you know believe in or have there and stuff so it's it's you know kind of they don't like imagination or or anything there either because like back to the future was was banned because it it was regarding time travel no time travel in in China yeah, but direct right. to but to, direct to video somehow got approved. So I'm guessing like direct to video is like our uh, kind of like uh, what um, like blockbuster was and stuff like that, or or I don't know if you know what, what direct to video yeah. is. So basically like they you could buy it on video, right. but you can't go see it in the films, right? Or in the theater, I should say. And I don't think they show it on TV either,
1: right? Or anything like that, it's not on any of like their streaming stuff, but you could at one point there are
0: yeah sorry go ahead
1: yeah yeah
0: there are uh several though that were banned and then eventually were was released uh, right which is interesting so it's like they'll ban it for a little bit and then be like all right fine (laughs) there you go
2: yeah i mean that has a lot like the decision to like initially ban something and then later allow it Sometimes that has to do with uh, the again the political mood of the time when mm-hmm. the thing was eventually allowed to be shown or distributed in China, because like with any kind of government in any country, there are times where the government will be more liberal and other times will be more conservative. So I mean mm-hmm. that that's a, that's a big part of that reasoning. But yeah, it it is very strange sometimes for people. So just as a side note, which to explain the religion thing. So now, I mean, I don't know how familiar like people in the audience are with like generally communism is, but um, basically with communism, especially how it's practiced in China and how it used to be in the Soviet Union is that. They consider things like religion as being superstitious. And basically the idea is that old ideas like religion of any kind are these old fashioned ideas that's preventing the society from progressing to, you know, to to more modern times, more modern thinking which is going to be more logical, you know, you need, you need facts here and not just assume that some magic sky God (laughs) or whatever is going to hear your prayers and magically make things happen for you. That, you know, it's that kind of, that kind of thinking. So that's why they're one of the rules in terms of like content that is not allowed is anything that has to do with the supernatural and religion. Because, you know, it, you know, like I was just saying, it's it's all it's because it's like illogical and old-fashioned thinking, and they want to get rid of that. Right, let's see. Any other any other uh, interesting observations you guys may have that I we could talk about <laughs> Or you need me to clarify or anything? Um,
1: no, I mean, this is a very good topic, but at the same time, it's really hard not to get political with it. Yeah. And that's not something that we want to really do. Yeah. Other than explaining, like, what their government is. Because, I mean, people, people hear the word communism, and it's a communist country. But I don't think a lot of people really understand what that actually entails. And it's basically the government controls everything.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, because the idea was, like, okay... Um, it's like the original idea was, was that, okay, you have the government representing the people and this, the government will be responsible for dividing up everything to make sure things are equal as possible for everybody, which in a theoretical sense is a good thing because you're trying to equalize everything and make sure that nobody is deprived of things that everybody else gets. So you don't have a case where like, okay, one person has a hundred of one of these of like, I don't know, like let's say books or whatever. So one person has a hundred books and then everybody else has none or maybe only one, but you're now dividing it up so that everybody has the same amount, which, you know, in a hypothetical theoretical utopia, you know we all should be able to have everything we that you know basic basic things we should all be able to have it but we don't so it's like the so they you know they try, they initially try to make that happen but of course this is reality this is reality you know this is the real world i mean there's only so much supply of anything and everything and You know, if you have a very limited supply, but you have a lot of people, how much can you divide, really, that would be enough for everybody, really? Because, you know, the more people you have, the smaller you can divide up stuff. So, you know, so so somehow this evolved into, well, now we have to control everything. (laughs) So, including what people are allowed and not allowed to see and you know if you if you grew up this way you wouldn't know any different you wouldn't know that there was you may not even realize that there was all this other stuff that you were missing on.
1: hmm
2: Yeah. But at the same time some people may start suspecting something because the thing is is that as controlling as they are with, like, you know, Hollywood content. The thing is, is that you know, every once in a while, the cracks kind of show a little bit. And that leads to small protesting, which leads to conflict, which leads to uh, very strong ways of getting rid of the conflict. And then everything's all peaceful again. But not really. Yeah, it's uh,
0: like a,
1: it was just amazing. To, it's like, you hear it, but you may not really realize and understand what it. People may or may not know exactly what that meant. So it's good to clarify. Kind of like, on paper, it seems like a good idea. It, it's one of those like, it seemed like it's a great idea, but it doesn't work in real life,
2: right? And and not to mention, you know, theoretical, you know, communism. It actually would work if you're talking about, like, let's say, let's say you're part of a neighborhood, okay? Everybody in the neighborhood agrees that, okay, let's pool together our stuff, okay? And then we divide it up amongst the people in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. That is where it could hypothetically work versus an entire country because in a neighborhood, you would be more familiar with people in your neighborhood. So if a neighbor was experiencing a problem, you know, even if, even if it's like a temporary problem, you would be more willing to help them out, you know, Mm -hmm. because you're familiar with them. They're like, they're almost like a friend of yours really. Versus somebody who is like a thousand miles away from you on, in the other side of the country you don't know them, you know. Would you instinctively help them? Maybe, maybe you would. Maybe you wouldn't, you know. And like I said earlier, when you start, you know, increasing the pool of people, you know, that you're trying to divide the limited resources with, it could progr- it could progressively get smaller. You know, how much is your share if you were to really divide it up equally? So would it really work would i mean does it actually work when you're dealing with over a billion people mm-hmm.
1: yeah not really yeah. Okay. yeah yeah
2: right which is why like what i mentioned earlier about how there's the concept of a harmonious society and you know making sure that you present a good face to the public of how things are mm-hmm. now you know, when you take those things things into account, now you start to see this is the type of society, this is the type of government that you are dealing with, which, again, connecting back to Hollywood, this is the type of movie market you as a capitalist, Western movie industry are trying to get your foot into. And you know, if you don't play by the rules that they established you are gonna get less stuff shown in the country if you don't follow their rules which again leads to the whole thing we were talking about earlier about how this is now affecting what kind of content Hollywood is producing which in turn affects what we as part of the American movie market are able to see as well so this, is how, so this is how this all is like one giant circle of things connecting. Thanks for listening, everyone. Catch us next time.
0: And see what we're going to talk about.
1: Because the three fates decide.